Live, another amazing episode just with me and Paul. Uh, Jan isn't here. Hi, Paul. Hey, how's it going? I'm, uh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, it's just solo. I'm flying solo today. So, uh, yeah, it's not a bad thing. No, 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 no. That's, that's perfect. Uh, I like it. And, uh, and, and I'm happy to have you here. So, uh, so yeah, Paul, we've had a really crazy week. Uh, oh, it's actually it's always a crazy week, let's be honest. <laughs> it's always <laughs> a crazy week in crypto. But sometimes it's a little bit crazier than normal. And, and last week there was so much news. I think uh, you, you might have uh, had to work overtime. I did. I did. I tell you, the news these days, it keeps me going all, literally all day long. I'm reading news. It's unbelievable. Yes. So how do you manage it? Because I think you might be reading like uh, 100 articles a day or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and what I try and tell people is this. If you look at my website, it's humanly impossible to digest that amount of information. So a lot of the stuff I do scan and because I've been in the industry for a while, I can tell if something is relevant or not for people to see. So that's the way I sort of make it through all this content. But because it is coming literally all day long, yes, I spend a lot of time at my standing desk uh, collecting news, listening to videos, podcasts, you know, reading articles, things like that. Uh, it's my full-time job. <laughs> you do it all by yourself? I do it all by myself, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I respect yeah. that. Uh, actually, these days I'm so busy. I I can only read the headlines almost. Yes. I, I can almost not read the whole article anymore. It's that bad. But that's yeah, why well, I'm happy, that's why I'm happy yeah, to read Exactly. I tell a lot of people um, just reading the headlines, it can be dangerous and a little misleading because there is a lot of clickbait. But I also believe that reading the headlines will give you a narrative generally of what's going on. And as long as that's what you're looking for, that's fine. I mean, if you're trying to get to the specifics, yes, some of these headlines are a little misleading. You have to read into the article to get more, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I prefer reading the whole article, but then I always, you know, say I'll do it tomorrow and then, and then, yeah, then you're here. <laughs> so, exactly. And then there's no need anymore. So right. what, what's your favorite uh, news item of the week? It's got to be Michael Saylor. I mean, how, how could Michael Saylor not be the most? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I told somebody this pump we just got, I guarantee it was Michael Bayan. It had to be Michael Bayan. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he started uh, selling his uh, stocks. Wasn't it in his, in his portfolio to buy Bitcoin? No, 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 no. So the, the first thing he did is he raised that 500 million on a 6.125% bond is what he did. That's the yield on the bond that he sold. And then he said the company MicroStrategy was going to sell another billion dollars in stock yeah. to raise more money for Bitcoin. So yeah, they're raising, they're, they're selling MicroStrategy stock so they can raise a billion. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. And uh, I think that He's only buying. He's, I think he never sells, right? Correct. He only buys. He never no, Again, from what we hear from him and from what he told Laura Shen, if he's selling, he is the biggest hypocrite on earth because he literally lambasted Laura Shen for even asking him the question about would he ever sell. He was like, Laura, you never sell. <laughs> yeah, well... Never say never in crypto is uh, my uh, my rule. But yeah, Michael Saylor is uh, of course almost uh, like a saint. 
a, a prospective he, he, figure within crypto. Uh, he is, but here's what I tell people. Michael understands this technology in a way that I don't think any other person does because for someone to buy as much as he's buying and to be so convicted to say, I'm never, ever going to sell it, he understands something much, much more different than everybody else. And that's why he's literally, he says he's never going to stop buying. He's going to keep buying until he can't buy no more. And if you compare that, for example, to Elon Musk, <laughs> who, is all, who is all over the place. I, I just read that he's uh, going to allow you to uh, mine Bitcoin again with his Tesla or that you can buy his Tesla with Bitcoin. Yeah. So what Elon said, and it's almost it's almost idiotic what he said. He yeah. said, hey, listen, you know, when 50 percent of Bitcoin is green, then I will allow transactions with Bitcoin to happen again. OK, so, Elon, how do you determine that we're 50 percent green mining? Like, is there even a way to determine that? I don't know. But it's, it's already 50 percent renewable anyway. So for him to say that is dumb. But, yeah, I, I've completely tuned him out. Yeah, no. And I think uh, Kevin O'Leary also made that point before that uh, a lot of American investors want to invest in Bitcoin, uh, but are afraid to because of the, the green issue. And they only invest in uh, virgin Bitcoin that they actually can prove that they mine themselves. So they're collaborating with miners in America, if I understood that correctly. You did. You did. It was at the Bitcoin Miami 2021 conference. And basically, yes, Kevin O'Leary started out by saying this crazy, idiotic stuff. The whole ESG is way overblown in the first place. But then he was like, there's trillions of trillions of dollars headed toward Bitcoin if you guys can get this ESG thing figured out. Well, environmental sustainability and governance has been around forever. It's nothing new. And this was around back when Bitcoin even got started. So for them to sit here and talk about this as if it's supposed to be some crazy thing, it's like, guys, Bitcoin should be uh, fungible. Right. So one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, no matter where it comes from, no matter what hand it's in. So I, I tweeted out to Kevin O'Leary. I said, OK, Kevin O'Leary, those dollar bills you got in those pockets, they came from criminals at some point. So do yeah. you not want those dollars? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy conversation. And also, you know, at a certain moment, you also want to exchange your Bitcoin and maybe trade it with some other big institution. And where did they get their Bitcoin? You know, it's, it's unworkable. It's unworkable. Um, but on the other hand, there's also some other really good news uh, from El Salvador. Yes, the El Salvador news. Listen, when Jack Mallers first titled his session, one small step for Bitcoin, one giant step for humanity, a lot of people were like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be some hyped up event. I was talking to a well-known figure in the space and he goes, yeah, yeah, this Bitcoin hype stuff. I don't know. They're hyping up. It's going to be. And I'm like, I don't know if it is or not. But but when he announced it, a lot of people were like, eh, you know, El Salvador. Eh. But now everyone is like, oh, my God, this is so massive. It's like, yeah, it's massive because they've started a whole new trend. And that is countries adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. Yeah, because I uh, actually saw uh, Mexico also considering and Paraguay and I think uh, African countries are uh, looking into it. N Nigeria and I think uh, Tanzania. Gambia, Tanzania. Yeah, there's like a whole slew of countries who are now uh, starting to wake up. And I, and I think, you know, if you're like uh, a developing country um, and uh, you're under the, the hegemony of American dollar, you basically have nothing to lose and everything to gain, especially if you're first. 
so yeah why why not Right. Yeah, and, it, and what, what, what El Salvador has done is that they kicked off basically what I would consider an arms race yeah. for Bitcoin legalizing it. And now every country that's come out that sort of said they were going to ban it, they're having to recant. Oh, we're not going to ban it. We're just going to legislate it. We're going to regulate it. OK. And then before you know it, it's legal tender. OK. It's just it's crazy watching this whole thing play out. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, we'll also dive into uh, silly countries who try to ban uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, what yeah, do it. But um, but uh, when you look at El Salvador, it actually started in a, in a beach place in El Salvador, and they built it uh, a economy around Bitcoin, which was uh, yeah. working really well based on the Lightning mm -hmm. Network because that keeps yep. the fee close. And uh, basically, most of the civilian population is already sort of using uh, Bitcoin or crypto-related products. The exactly. And, and, and that article came out not too long ago. Actually, I'm going to see if I can find it real fast. Uh, El Salvador Village adopts Bitcoin. Um, and when that article was published and it was talked about, a lot of people still didn't even give not to the fact that here's a village that's decided to operate solely on Bitcoin and no one ever really made a big deal about it. And I published it and I tweeted about it and stuff like that, but eh, it was sort of like, meh, who cares? And that's the problem with America is that we think everything revolves around us and we think like whatever happens here determines what happens in the world, when in reality, there are places where Bitcoin really does have a great use case and that is in developing countries. Just yes. like El Salvador, so yeah. yeah, and also in the Philippines, I heard uh, it's mass adoption, and um, mm -hmm. but but basically, you know, those those places have the most to gain, of course, and um, and with the whole economic system sort of deteriorating, it ravels at the edges, at the margins. So the the revolution probably starts at the at the margin. It does. As Mark Yusko, as Mark Yusko would say, it starts at the edge, right? He's all yeah, about the yeah. edge, and it starts at the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically also the the person or the group who has the most to lose is, of course, the American system, which is you know still trying to get hold of the situation. But um, yeah, it's probably the last one who wants to jump in the boat. Probably. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. We're always late. We're laggards. Yeah, they're in a very different position. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I also heard just today that El Salvador government is maybe thinking about um, doing paying salaries in Bitcoin. That's right. Absolutely. And and again, we saw that happen where in Miami. Miami first. They were the first ones talking about actually paying government workers in Bitcoin. And there have been other people. And here's the thing is that it's sort of, you know, big woo woo now. But guess what? Guess who the first person was to accept their salary in Bitcoin? It was Olaf Carson Wee when he worked at Coinbase. He got paid 100 percent in Bitcoin. Now he runs Polychain Capital, which is one of the larger hedge funds it's out there. I think they're considered hedge funds. Um, but yeah, so Olaf Carson, we did this, and this was back in like 2013, I think it was, 2014. Yeah, no, totally agree. And uh, you, you see it spreading around. I have also here the article about Mexico, which I'll also mm -hmm. up here. Mm -hmm. Those people who uh, might not be aware of how fast it's spreading. And the funny thing is they all do those laser eyes. <laughs> 
Yeah, the whole laser eyes thing was awesome. Did you see the one laser eyes where it was uh, South American and it had the two little eyes on it? I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. It's a, and it's a nice way to show allegiance, or not, not allegiance, but like uh, what you call it. Um, solidarity. Solidarity is a better word, yeah. 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 Uh, well, and there's, of course, also a country which was uh, thinking about banning uh, Bitcoin because those countries also exist. And yeah, mm -hmm. we touched upon it. You know, it's mostly Western countries who have the most to lose. Uh, and Amsterdam, or at least um, Holland, a minister, uh, well, not a minister, he was from the Central Planning Bureau, uh, mm -hmm. Central Plan Bureau. Wopko was talking about maybe banning Bitcoin because Bitcoin is very dangerous and it could crash any moment and we have to protect all the people from the crash. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you get it's that a lot. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost that's But like I said, what we see and what I told people is that Bitcoin can't until Bitcoin does, and that'll lead us in probably to another conversation. I won't bring it up, but I'll wait. But Bitcoin can't until Bitcoin does. And so everyone will like to say, oh, Bitcoin's too slow. Oh, Bitcoin's too bad. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's used by. And then slowly but surely, Bitcoin chips away at everyone's you know issue that they have with it. And then it becomes the thing. This is why people don't understand Bitcoin maximalism. Again, I'm not necessarily a Bitcoin maximalist especially not a toxic one. And I think some people like being toxic. I don't. But this is why it all comes back to Bitcoin eventually. And people don't understand that. And so hopefully in time they will. Yeah. yeah and I have to correct myself uh, because Hopke Hoekstra is from uh, CDA or it's a mm -hmm. Christian party who's uh, actually uh, in the government uh, at the moment. And he right. was correcting Peter Hasekamp and he's uh, the director of the Central Planning Bureau. So okay. Wopka, who said, like, it's silly to ban Bitcoin, it will never work, and it's much better to regulate it uh, instead of banning it, which is, yeah, I think the way to do, go. If you're a Do you know who he is? Uh, Peter Haskell, the, the one who wanted yes. to ban it. Uh, yeah, I, I know of him. I know him by name and I know him by face. And I know the Central okay. Bank Bureau, they give advice to the Dutch government. Uh, about that they make the calculations about well, how much the economy is going to grow and uh, that and then of course they also always have to rectify it uh, downwards because they start like saying oh the economy is going to grow 10 percent or whatever silly number they'll put out and then they have to correct it back down till 0 0.1 or 0 0 0 0.1 <laughs> how do you pronounce your finance minister's name is it Wookie? Popka. Popka Popka Hoekstra. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm not good with it. <laughs> I saw his name and I was like, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Dutch names are uh, really hard to pronounce. And especially if there's a hard G in there or a G. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, foreigners always have some trouble with the G. And, but also the U, the Hoekstra. Yeah, it's uh, difficult to pronounce. But uh, yeah, it's a nice article. It also goes into uh, that that Amsterdam, Amsterdam might be the new financial hub of uh, Europe. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I think London will keep its uh, claws <laughs> on the financial sector. I think if, if they lose that, then uh, then you can basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think it wouldn't end well for London if, if they lose it. 
Well, that, that, that's sort of what we were saying here is that, you know, New York has always been the finance capital. It's where all the big money is. But that's starting to make its transition down to Florida. And, you know, where we see Miami all of a sudden rise up and be some huge place. Will Texas all of a sudden take some chomping into it? It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But, uh, but also interesting about the articles, it seemed to suggest that the Dutch government is actually uh, holding or uh, uh, at least very much involved with Bitcoin um, behind the screens. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I personally, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. I mean, the Dutch government isn't, um, isn't stupid. Uh, and um, and the, the, the noises coming out of Holland, uh, except then by, um, what's his name again? <laughs> <laughs> Hasekamp, uh, yeah, so except some people, most of them are pretty uh, forward-looking and uh, open to tech and especially fintech. There's been, I mean, fintech, the fintech discussion in Holland is, is, has been going on for over 10 years already. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, so, and plan B. Yeah, yeah. That's what's going to be interesting is that what people fail to realize, and again, I think that it's just, human nature. We, we, we enjoy grouping things and coupling things together. And even though you have the, you know, the, the government there in the Netherlands, the you know, Dutch government, the reality is, is that it's made up of individual people. And yep. a lot of those people are going to become Bitcoiners. They just are. And then they're going to legislate from a perspective yep. of friendly to Bitcoin. And it's going to be some battles and pushing back and forth. But the reality is, is if we think that those people are not tuned enough and that they don't have some exposure, we're crazy. They do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, it, start, it always starts from the bottom up or from the edges, if you want. Yep. Uh, and then at a certain moment, people who are actually in government are holding it, so they start favoring it or legislation leg legislation towards it. So um, yeah, I totally agree. And um, I also see some uh, green shoots uh, when you look at the market because I also wanted to touch upon the market. What is what is your take, Paul? Yeah, so I just <clears throat> listened to uh, Bob Lucas's four-year journey, the new four-year journey that he just put out. And, you know, we're going to see this. And again, I think this run that we're having is based on a few things. I mean, again, Grayscale, they just spent two billion this weekend. Right. And I think that this recent pump is from Grayscale's buying this weekend two billion dollars worth of digital assets. And then you get Michael Saylor, who is now probably starting to buy right now. And I think some of this push we're seeing is his bots going to work buying. And then you're going to have another billion dollars, which probably won't come into the market for another month or so, because it's going to take time for them to raise that money. But then you got news like Susie Ordman is now recommending her people get exposure to Bitcoin. You've got other financial analysts that are starting to tell people to get into Bitcoin. So the money's going to continue to come in. And I think it's a fear that the people that didn't get it under 40 are now like, oh, crap, I've got to get in. And so now they're going to rush in and that'll push us right up to 50. Yeah. And it, uh, it also follows Plan B's uh, model because it was kind of you know, scary or at least his model was on the edge of breaking as he called himself. So he says like, OK, We'll now see if my model actually works because uh, we're really at the edge. And it seems to have bounced. So um, that's a good sign. And it bounced quite strongly. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it was kind of interesting because like last week and especially the week before, we actually had like a divide almost between technical analysts on the one hand, mm -hmm. led by 
Peter Brandt, of course, famous, really good mm -hmm. guy. And on the other hand, you had all the fundamental analysts, like mm -hmm. Willy Wu, Plan B, but also mm -hmm. a lot of others who said like, okay, this is it, we're gonna, it's gonna reverse, uh, mm -hmm. we cannot go much lower than this. So it was actually very interesting to see where, where tech, TA and fundamentals, uh, because Bitcoin is way below um, uh, actual value, uh, when you look at the actual value of a Bitcoin, it was way below what it should be worth. Correct. So you you would expect it to start bouncing upwards, and that seems to be happening now. Yeah, and what, what, what I saw through the news, because I'm looking at all of this, is you're right. You had some of the folks that were saying, oh, I think we're heading to a bear market. As a matter of fact, I posted a couple of those on Twitter and people were like, yeah, they're crazy. We're not in a bear market. You can forget that. We're still in a bull market. Now, I will say Plan B did maintain his stance that we were still in the bull market. Our good friend, Phil Balswani, said the same yeah. thing. He maintained that we're in a bull market. As a matter of fact, Phil Balswani called it to the day, June yeah. 7th. He said yeah. we'd have the June 7th low, and we got it. I was like, I don't know how this dude called this a month early, but he's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's one of the best, if not the <laughs> is not the best. And so what, you, what I also saw, though, is I also saw the on-chain analysts, people like William Clemente and, of course, Plan B, I mean, not Plan B, uh, um, uh, really? Willie Wu. Those guys were still saying that we're still in a bull market. Things are still fine. We're looking at the on-chain uh, action, and it's showing that it's good. Now, Willie Wu did come out and, and, and take his prediction down a notch, and he said yeah. we're going to be somewhere between 100 and 200. So, But again, when I tell people, I don't care if they have to rescale their predictions, but here's the reality. Listen, if we in the year 100, I'm a happy man. Come on. Like, how could you not be happy? <laughs> no, no, I, I would uh, sign for that. Uh, but uh, but but like he says, it's a moving target. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like in a month time, he has to up it up uh, again and to come uh, near to Plan B's uh, model, because Plan yeah. B hasn't uh, scaled down yet. <laughs> no, he's still at 288 by the end of the year. Citibank was at 318. So the reality is, is that yes, I, I and, and if if you listen to Tyler Swope's uh, Chico Crypto, yeah. he said December 15th. We would be at 150,000. So again, these combination of all these people is still between 102. I, I say easy between 102. Yeah. Uh, speaking about 150, uh, I also got this article. Uh, 150 billion asset manager jumps into crypto markets in partnership with NASDAQ. And that yes. is uh, the group, if I say it, Victory Capital. Yes. And uh, they're going to make a product, or let's see, uh, that it plans to launch a private fund that will track the NCI. And the NCI is the NASDAQ Crypto Index. Mm -hmm. And it will offer private funds uh, a way to track the NASDAQ Bitcoin Reference Price Index and the NASDAQ Ethereum Price Index. Because uh, Ethereum is also uh, being scooped up in large amounts. Like you said previously, uh, Raul Paul has actually more Ethereum, I think, than Bitcoin at the moment, right? He does. He, uh, Raul Paul was 100% Bitcoin, then he was 80-20 Bitcoin Ethereum, and now he's 55 Ethereum, 25 Bitcoin, which is just mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really mind-blowing. And it's, uh, of course, infuriating uh, Bitcoin maxis who uh, only want Bitcoin to go up. Uh, <laughs> Here we go, Ethereum and I think Cardano and 
XRP, oh yeah, XRP. <laughs> XRP that will make a lot of people happy. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you know, a lot of these assets is what I tell people again, even if 99% of them just disappeared off the face of the earth, you're still left with 100 projects. And of those 100, rather people like it or not, your XRPs, your Polkadot, your Cardanos, your Chainlinks, your EOSs, they're going to be there because all of those projects are double-digit, billion-dollar market cap assets. They're not going to disappear. No matter how much we hate them, they're going to be around. And I think uh, you're also following the news around XRP with uh, the SEC and the court case. How, how do you see that going at the moment? Uh, Listen, I'm going to make a call. I'm going to say XRP, Ripple's going to win this case. Listen, they're, they're just going to win the case. Again, the, the news came out today. Ripple scores another win against the SEC as judge leaves his lobbying efforts under wraps. The SEC has screwed themselves so many times with this case. If they do win, if some chance the SEC wins, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to smack X Ripple on the hand and they're going to fine them 25 million, 50 million, maybe 100 million. They, they can pay that with their eyes closed. They don't care, right? So it's going to be fine. Yeah, and I think XRP is asking for um, uh, papers to be released about how they uh, uh, graded Bitcoin and Ethereum as commodities. And uh, yeah. I think they, they want to see what was the reasoning behind it. And then, of course, or most likely, uh, they will fit the same uh, criteria. I yep, think that exactly. Yeah. No. Listen, Ethereum was the exact same thing. So if they're going to hammer XRP, they have to hammer Ethereum. It's either it's, you can't do one without the other. It's yeah. They're not going to win it. Yeah. So what what do you think that would do with the price? <laughs> I think the prices. I think the price can still see some appreciation. Listen, I, unfortunately, XRP Army, I hate to tell you, I don't see the $10 XRP. It's just the reason is, is you got to look at market cap. You've got 100 billion XRP in well, not in circulation. I forget how many is actually in circulation. I think it's maybe like, what is it? XRP, where are you? They've got 46 billion in circulation. Okay, you're talking a massive market cap there. This asset is going to remain around a dollar, maybe two, maybe three. That's where I think the price might pop to if they win this case. But other than that, done. Yeah, and that would also fit Alessio Rostani's target for XRP. It's, uh, I think uh, the high high end is $3. And that's what it was uh, in 2017. So that would yeah. be quite realistic. And maybe double that if you're lucky, uh, if you're very yeah. lucky. If, if you're very lucky, but you know, again, it's all time high was three dollars and eighty four cents. That was on January fourth of twenty eighteen, three years ago. If it makes it back to its all time high, eh, okay. But yeah. uh, anything above that, you know, I don't, unless some some big utility. Now we all are aware that when they do use XRP, it does burn XRP. So the supply should begin to decrease. But again, remember guys, you're talking a hundred billion. That's a lot of effort. So yeah, nine times soon. Well, at least uh, Jeb McCaleb isn't selling anymore. So that that's good. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's almost out of ammo. Yeah, that, that's good. That's a good sign. And that Flare and Spark and uh, all those uh, kind of uh, DeFi products are being released on XRP. So that's also kind of interesting what that will do uh, with the price. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's important to note that 
McCaleb is not selling because he doesn't have any more to sell. He's going to keep selling until he sold all of them. Trust me, people, he's going to get rid of all of it. Okay, that's fine. But again, that should send a signal to the XRP Army that you've got somebody who's literally selling every, again, it's back to Charlie Lee selling all of his Litecoin, right? Listen, if you yeah. got the person that doesn't want to back it, there's some questions there. And there's still questions with Charlie and Litecoin. But, yeah. but, but he did it for the community, right? Yeah, he did it for the community. Right at the top, baby. Sweet. Yeah, that's I I'll leave it Charlie. What one of those signs that you're near the top is, you know, when when those kind of people start selling your coins, uh, yeah, then you really have to be uh, careful. I mean, that's like he has to have one. He like, have one heck of a tax bill, though. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure he can uh, manage that. So, <laughs> what what else kind of news you see? Um, Maybe something that we've been sleeping on that has been well, sleeping on the radar. Yeah, I don't think it's sleeping on the radar. And you actually highlighted to me, and it's where I was going to go earlier when I was talking about Bitcoin can't until Bitcoin does. And that is Taproot. Listen, we've been hearing about Taproot, and Taproot's going to bring better privacy and smart contract capability to Bitcoin. It's locked in, and it's going to be here in November. So in November, we're going to hear the whole conversation about, oh, Bitcoin can't be private. It's private. Oh, Bitcoin can't have smart country. It got smart contracts. So just give it time, people. Give it time. Yeah, because Taproot is what uh, multi-sig, the multi-sigs are actually visible. And what mm -hmm. Taproot does, it makes them invisible, basically, mm -hmm. because they become the same as any normal uh, transaction on the Bitcoin uh, network. And then I think they want to move up to Schnorr, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, and then source signature is next. And it's my hope that by doing this, this erases the whole ESG conversation because if we can find privacy to these coins, it makes them fungible and you don't have any idea where they came from, which would be a beautiful thing. And I hope they implement Memblewimble on top of it after they've implemented everything else just to make sure we completely make this thing anonymous. Well, speaking about Memblewimble, um, yeah. uh, there was... Like uh, way back, way back, I think months ago, there was some hacker who sort of hacked Mimblewimble. I, I didn't do any follow-up. That was like the last thing I heard about Mimblewimble. Have you heard anything about that? Yes. What's that true story? I'm not sure. I know Litecoin has implemented Mimblewimble on the Litecoin chain, at least on the testnet portion of Litecoin. I don't think it's been fully implemented on Litecoin. But if it does get implemented well and it works on Litecoin and it's stable, I guarantee it's going to move over to Bitcoin because Litecoin technically is Bitcoin. It's a fork of it. It's almost an identical replica of it. So, Yeah, so probably that was an overhyped story. Um, yeah, I don't know about the hack in the Wimble. I don't know if that went anywhere or not. Yeah, no, I have to follow up on that. But uh, also, there was a, a little bit the same, like uh, the FBI, who sort of um, uh, what was it? Uh, got us um, bitcoins, and then it turned out that they really didn't, you know, hack the system, but they just took control of the server. But it was brought out as oh, the FBI can now hack Bitcoin. It's like those, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's unfortunate because, again, anytime I tell people this all the time, it's like anytime you hear that Bitcoin's been hacked, just ignore it. Because trust me, if Bitcoin got hacked, you would know it. This this stuff about how they report that they got someone's Bitcoin or whatever. It's the same thing with Silk Road and with um, I'm trying to remember his name now. Um, uh, Ulrich, I know. Um, 
What's his name? Oh, right. yeah, Ross Ulbricht. Yeah, Ross Ulbricht. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they were able to get his Bitcoin still baffles me. And they were like, he got caught in the library or something like there was computer open. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know about all that. But the reality is, is that, listen, no one can get your Bitcoin unless you give them your private key. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah, and there are, there are of course, many ways uh, the FBI could force you. I mean, and, uh, you can use your imagination. Uh, yeah, I mean, like a waterboard you. <laughs> Convince you <laughs> to give your private key to them. So uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, but I always uh, wondered uh, because we're always talking about Bitcoin and crypto. But what is your view on uh, like cash and gold and silver? What what would, what do you do? They fit in the whole uh, crypto movement? Would you say that it's also smart to have an allocation towards those resources? Do you think in the future it will only be Bitcoin or? I think there's going to be multiple things. So uh, like Jamie Dimon was talking about, I'm going to be holding cash as the safest thing for inflation. It's like, you're crazy. No, it's not. Whoever wrote that headline should be shocked because that's not true. But yes, I think that there's going to be CBDCs and they will have a role and everyone ultimately will have CBDCs. No one will have dollars or yens or ones. All that stuff's going to go away. It's going to be the digital version of those. And yes, we're going to have Bitcoin and digital assets. It's just like we have today. We got cash, we got stocks, we got bonds, we got T-bills, we got we all kinds of things out there. So I don't think it's going to be one take all. Hyper-Bitcoinization will happen well after I'm dead and gone. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think also, you know, uh, personally speaking, I think there should always be like a role for cash in society. I mean, you know, you don't want if there's like a solar storm, a solar wind and, and all electrical um, networks go mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. temporarily. You do want to have some cash or some way to pay people. Uh, that's what I, 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 so way back and this is way back in the day and I won't say how far way back in the day, but back before or when 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 first electronic cash registers came in the stores, yeah. I can remember that. Um, People were given the same things. Well, what, what happens if we lose all power? How are they going to buy food? How can the grocery stores work? I'm like, relax, people. It, it, it's not going to happen. This this fear of everything shutting down. Now, have there been instances where a store has lost power and people couldn't buy food? Absolutely. Was it the end of the world? No. Even if we get into a situation, solar flare, we've been hearing that for decades. Even if it happened, I don't think it's going to be game over for everything. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. There will be some complications, but it will get fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah. I think in the in the 1900s you had the Carrington effect, and that was like a super solar storm, like that really. Uh, that, oh, that, wow. Even telegrams worked without power because they're working on the solar wind power that was, and they were, were working actually better than when they were uh, on, hooked on the power system. Wow. Was, you could see, um, but this is the Borealis, you could see around um, um, the Caribbean. So it was that far out. It was like one mm -hmm. of the most massive solar winds ever. But I think mm -hmm. right now we're in a solar minimum. So mm -hmm. yeah, we should be fine for at least uh, a couple of years. 
<laughs> well, here's another, here's another thing, too. I mean, a lot of things are moving toward renewable. Wind, hydro, you know, yep. nuclear. I mean, there's a lot of things that operate. And if we will have power some kind of way, even if we get some solar flare that knocks out or supposedly burn all electronics, which I think that'll be the end of the world, period. And there's more things to worry about at that point than... Yeah, I think it'll be okay. And we got our windmills. But yes. the, <laughs> the other reason why I'm asking, because um, our friend Sorel, uh, he wrote this really nice article about Russia dropping the US dollar and going into yuan and um, gold and euro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see Russia is a very interesting case because they're also into mining, of course, of Bitcoin and they have a very uh, interesting way of dealing with crypto. Uh, but they are also very big in on gold. Uh, I mean, you see yes. a lot. Yeah, China also. So, what is your yeah, no. and those strategies? I think a lot of the world is starting to wake up to the reality that there are other ways to operate than operating with the U.S. dollar. It spells bad for us. But I think that this is just a natural shift. Uh, I don't know the actual stats. I don't have the charts. But, you know, money has existed for certain periods of time. I think like 100 years or something like that is the max and 100 and something years. And then all of a sudden, another currency takes over as the global reserve currency and things like we're just we're living through a transition and we're getting to witness it firsthand. There will be history books written about how we eventually transition from fiat currency to some other harder currency, things like that. It's just I, I just look at it as natural evolution. Things will continue to move forward, and it's just the way that it is. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and maybe we we could even do like a link between uh, a virtual uh, crypto and a mm -hmm. physical object, like mm -hmm. a coin, an NFT's coin, and that would be yep. like yeah. So then then you can still pay with it. Uh, oh. <laughs> then you could still pay with it, uh, even if there was no electricity, and then it would simply represent what it. Uh, what its virtual counterpart represents. Well, if back in the day, believe it or not, there was a movement to make actual paper money that had a wallet address on it that you could actually give and pay in the store. So you would have a bunch of $1 bills per se with Satoshis on them, and you could go spend those at the store. And that's the value that was on those and stuff like that. It, of course, it failed miserably, but I just don't think that, you know, going back to the physical from the virtual, everything's going to be digital, unfortunately, in the future, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But it's an interesting question. Uh, it is. It is. So, hey, Paul, I really want to thank you for your time and for being on Bitcoin Live. And next time, I hope uh, Jan will be here too. And, indeed, uh, indeed. The new cycle never stops. No. Um, but well, before you go, uh, do you think this week Bitcoin will go up or you don't want to make a prediction? No, uh, I think Bitcoin, as I look at the chart right now, we're at the top part of the Bollinger Band. Uh, the Bollinger Band has gotten incredibly narrow. As a matter of fact, it's like within, I think, a $10,000 band, maybe even $5,000 band. It's getting really tight. And so I think there is going to be some type of a breakout. We got the moving averages crossing. So if we're at the top of this band, maybe it'll pull back, retest the moving average. 
I don't think it's going to come back down and test the bottom of the band. If it did, that would be wildly bullish, though, because, again, it would allow ourselves to reset the oscillators and then bounce back off of the lower part of the band around 35 to head back higher. So I still think we're going to be higher. This might be the beginning of a breakout. So yeah. I say higher. Because last time when Bitcoin uh, didn't test the moving average, it did it mm -hmm. for a record time. Like, what was it, 36 weeks before it tested? Yeah, it was crazy. It yeah, was, it was crazy. Lot. Because the average is around 14 weeks, right? Was it, mm -hmm. uh, like so no wonder it's crashed. <laughs> right. And in bigger picture, I think we could possibly see ourselves get back up to around 45 before we do hit the... Uh, on a longer term frame, the moving average, and then we might see some type of a pullback. But if it breaks above 45, then it's blue skies to 70, 75. That's a nice way. And we should get people Swanee back on. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. Well, uh, Paul, I want to thank you again for your time. And uh, yeah, yeah, see you soon. Good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. So people, uh, that was Paul, Paul McNeil, the crypto curator. He's always on the news. He knows what he's talking about because he has all the articles to back it up. Uh, go to his website. I'll link it down below. Um, next stop, we have Chris Takim. That's why I'm cutting it short because I have to prepare for the next interview and I'm just by myself. And of course, you guys can win 300 cats right now. Just start commenting cats and I'll just pick a winner and uh, give somebody 300 cats and for the next show uh, because for the people who uh, have been following me on twitter they know i'm giving away 1500 cats so that's a lot of cats and if i'm giving away 300 cats right now at least 1200 cats to give away which will happen in the next episodes i will pick two winners in the next episode with krista kim and each of them will win 600 cats. So don't miss Krista Kim, be there. Uh, I might even give it away during the show, you know, at the beginning or in the middle or maybe at the end. Uh, but right now you can win 300 with Paul McNeil. So um, let's do it like this. Start commenting cats. I'll close my eyes and I'll press this button and the name that appears wins the 300 cats. So let's go. I'll count to three. Three, two, one, go. Evans. Okay, congratulations, Evans. You're the winner of the 300 cats. Uh, well, I know how to find you on Twitter, so uh, that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, I'll send it to you later. Uh, right now, I'm going to uh, close the show, <laughs> searching for the English word. And uh, I always say two things, watch, learn and earn and make you wonder. <laughs>